and to think. I got up yesterday morning and thought it would just be another day of more of the same. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. When I produced yesterday's program, shortly before it had to be distributed, it was before any major thing happened in Washington, D.C. And I talked a little bit about the Georgia election and where it stood and how in many ways I was not surprised by the outcome at all. The same system had been left in place that they used back in November. And and despite all the whining and complaining of both the governor and the secretary of state, who, by the way, may be in a bit of trouble because the kind of phone call that he recorded goes against some federal violations. You know, there are some phone calls you're allowed to record and some with the president you are not, especially when it deals with legal negotiations. And to release the phone call, to have the newspaper conveniently, this is the Washington Post, intellectually, morally, and journalistically bankrupt as they are, to leave a lot of things out of the story to change the meaning, to incite anger, just shows to me the levels that we go in this world today that are very troubling. Yesterday's program, I said, you don't change the world. You're not going to fix the country at the ballot box. All the issues at the ballot box, they're reflections of the people we are. In states like oh, California, New York, for example, the people vote and they don't even have to cheat. It's just they have walked away. Far too many people have walked away from anything godly any longer. They support every strange wind of doctrine that comes down the pike if they believe anything at all beyond themselves. Yesterday's intrusion into the Capitol building of the United States is like nothing I have ever seen in my lifetime except on newsreels of Europe, Germany, and a banana republic. And immediately everybody was saying, look at those terrible protesters of Trump. I mean, they're just terrible people. The same people getting all bent out of shape and angry and all, you know, they're, they're trying to justify BLM back in, you know, the burning of buildings and they're trying to pretend that didn't happen. They were all over this. But I was watching it and some people have tried to share what I understand from the kind of work that I have done in the past. And they say, well, give us some examples. Give us give us the links. Well, I can't do that. I wish I could. It might, pardon me for being so blunt, shut some people up. But if they would even bother to look. When you look at the demographics of those that voted, for example, in the Georgia election two days ago, on Tuesday, you look at those that voted for the two Democrat candidates overwhelmingly, 
they're generally younger people in their 20s and 30s, maybe into their early 40s. Very, very few people by comparison as you get older, for the most part, well, they, they voted the other way. When you look at those that supported in Georgia, Donald Trump, most of the younger voters, just like a couple of years ago when it came to the governor's race in the state, it is the younger people that live in the Atlanta Georgias that came from other places to be in this world-class city that go to their restaurants and their, their favorite taverns, at least before we have the coronavirus, and they are among, as we call them today, the woke. They're into every social cause, and they, they feel compelled that it makes them a better person to, to be involved in what they think is social justice. And those that tended to vote for Donald Trump, or even two years ago in the gubernatorial election, those that voted conservative or Republican tended to be over the age of 40, 45. In other words, hey, the baby boomers, generally speaking, are older. And what younger supporters of conservatism you find generally have jobs and families and you know, they're not the ones that went to Washington, D.C. I saw a lot of young people doing a lot of strange things on the TV. Now, I'm recording this program the day before. I'm, I'll am i be honest. I'm recording this program on Wednesday evening. I have to because we need to be at a very important appointment for most of Thursday, and there's no way I'll get back in time to do a show at the last minute. But what we're going to talk about today and my guest today that I'm getting ready to bring on we've been talking about a number of things for weeks and and all i'm seeing all i'm seeing is everything we've said just coming out before our very eyes let me explain what i mean i'm still some of you may completely trust everything about the election i don't and I don't for one reason. It's even like my wife said. When you have little kids that do something deceptive, they have a certain attitude about them when you catch them lying. And I have that same feeling with some of the people that I have watched on the TV or those making accusations, those that are, for whatever reason, saying the things that they do. Georgia is a great example because we spent a lot of time here. And I watched how quickly every suspicious thing is, oh, no, that didn't happen. And they'll say, we know it didn't happen. And you'll show evidence, well, maybe it did, but not enough to count. I mean, everything, there's something wrong. I said it yesterday. I've said it before. I'll say it today, and I'm sure I'll say it again. The Bible says abstain from even the appearance of evil, even the appearance And a lot of the things that we saw done, the lies, you know, in Fulton County. Oh, we had a water main break. We're, we're going we're gonna to close down for the night. we got to all go home. We'll, we'll get back tomorrow morning. And then out from under a table comes all these ballots. They try to explain that's thoroughly legit. I don't understand how. They don't prove how. They just say, believe us, it's legit. 
and unanswered questions and avoidance of questions and trying to dispose of the evidence before anybody can look at it, trying to steer you here, not there, maybe they're completely honest. I doubt it. They're either totally incompetent or they're lying to us. One or the other. There is no middle ground. The Secretary of State, as far as I'm concerned with the stunts that he has pulled, has shown his lack of candor. He has shown his inability to be moral, be decent, and follow the law. He cut a deal with Stacey Abrams that goes against Georgia law, but he won't admit to that. Everybody says it doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does. We live in a world today of this moral relativism nonsense, and there is no such thing as moral relativism. When I talk to people that are pro-abortion, they'll say, well, abortion is better than, than a child that's not wanted. And then I'll go back, and then they'll, they'll always get quiet when I remind them, if abortion had been permitted in 1953, I'd be dead. I wouldn't be here. I would have been aborted and dead 66 years ago. When you put a face on it, sometimes it bothers them, and then they, they want to def- unfriend you or block you or disappear because their conscience is now seared or it's being pricked and they don't like it. It ruins their narrative and their happy Episcopal church in some cases where you know they celebrate those kind of things. Hey, abortion is great. Let's have a let's celebrate it. Our country, our nation, our churches, all of it is in a world of hurt and trouble. And what you saw yesterday, and I'm still trying to put the pieces together, you know, my my instincts are those young people doing the strange stuff in the Capitol were not Trump supporters. Uh, some people are pointing out, I haven't confirmed it yet. Maybe by the time this show is airing, you will have already found out for yourselves. We will know then. Sorry, I've got to record the show early. But some of these people look strangely familiar like some BLM and Antifa supporters uh, back in the summer. The same kind of tactics being used had a few people that I know that were at that rally in D.C. They had no idea that all this stuff was happening, that some group had you know, gone off and broke in. My gut reaction? It was infiltrated. Not to be surprising. We live in a dangerous world, and until we fix ourselves and our churches and get right with God, all the elections for the next 50 years won't fix anything. Satan is alive and well. He's doing his work. We as Christians need to be doing ours and stop looking to politicians. Don't look to princes or powers. Go to God. Get your church revived. My guest today is the Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales. He's with me quite often. He was on a couple of days ago. And when we look at what we're supposed to be doing, when we look at what the church is supposed to be, when we look at how to fight the evil in our society. Timothy, how do we do it? Well, what we're always supposed to do, right? Be lights, shine forth truth. And remember, truth is attacked. It's always attacked. Satan attacks it. Mm -hmm. We're told there is no truth. 
Uh, and so we've got to counter that. But when you stand for truth and absolute truth, you will be marginalized. Yes. You will be persecuted. You will be castigated for that because yep. the world doesn't want to hear it. Uh, I mean, I, a quick example, I, I talked and I was teaching it to a big group on this very issue. And a woman raised her hand and said, Pastor, honestly, she goes, I appreciate your thoughts, but there really is no such thing as truth. And I responded and said, was, was that a true statement? And, and she everybody said, started laughing because they realized, yeah, it is a truth. She goes, I guess it is. And I said, well, then there's at least one. Let's find the other ones. Mm -hmm. You see, it's so easily countered because this is God's world and God is the God of truth and he is absolute. So there are absolutes in the world. You cannot empirically change that. In other words, you cannot change the reality of it. What you have to do is replace the reality with a false one. That's what we see the enemy doing. So people are believing these lies that are contradictory, self-contradictory, and yet they still believe in mm -hmm. them because that's what they're told. Well, they're comforting, so, too. A lot of these yeah. lies are comforting. Sure. Let me, give you, let me give you an example of what I mean. You know, for the other day, and, and I, I, I've learned something. I don't get into Facebook arguments at all. It, it, well, except on the rarest things, just to point out an absurdity, maybe. And, and of course, I know full well that the person I'm saying it to will completely, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Ah, you're a fool. Oh, you, you know, they, they will, they will reject it out, out of hand, virtually every time. I write some of this stuff that I do on occasion, rare occasions. I don't get into, like I say, arguing with somebody on Facebook is like wrestling with a pig in the mud. The pig likes it. So I don't, I don't need to waste my time in a fool's venture. But sometimes I'll point something out, not for the person that made some statement, and I'm not trying, you know, I'm trying to correct, but really for the edification of others. Does that make, you know, where others read this and they begin to understand better what they're seeing. Now, this th this discussion was, somebody had this, uh, and I depending upon your faith background, you may believe in uh, ordinances of baptism, communion, you may believe in sacraments of baptism, communion, you may come out of a church that, that holds to seven, doesn't matter. This person pointed out something, and, I, and it was very, very true. We talked the other day about how Satan likes to counterfeit, you know, take something genuine, make a fake. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a counterfeit unless there's a, a genuine. There's that, 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 that's, that's a given. And one of the things that Satan does is he co-ops, and you mentioned it so well before, he co-ops the things of God and distorts them, aims them to us, and in essence, he takes takes it over. Yep. Whether you like Rush Limbaugh or not, and uh, let me just share something he said years ago. When he talks about, at that point, you know, these progressive liberalist Democrats that are really pro-abortion, he goes, abortion is their sacrament. And you made it, and you said something uh, a while back that is so whether you made it up or you heard it before it doesn't matter it is total wisdom 
what are the words we say when we talk about, especially if you're a sacramental church, we talk about Jesus says, this is my body. And what does the abortion person say? This is my body. Yep. It's a they, they steal the words. It's the parody. They steal the words. This is my body. Mm-hmm. And I will do with my body as I want to do with my body. And you can't tell me what to do with my body, except when it comes to a vaccine for um, a coronavirus. Then right. we'll tell you what to do with your body. Right. You know, I mean, there's yep. like, you know. It's the contradiction, right? So you have the parody, satanic parody. You have all of these, what I would call their dogmatic freedom laws, because <laughs> that's a parody, right? So the dogmatic freedom laws that they tell us we're going to be free and mm-hmm. open and tolerant, but it's really dogmatic. And it is meant to tell us to just shut your mouth and do what we tell you to do and don't bring up anything about God. Yeah. Uh, this, this is where we are today. The, and the right or the look, the right or sacrament of baptism has been replaced by the secular school system. Sure. In other words, you, 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 you're, it's your rite of passage. And, you know, look, if you go back to ancient Christian times and you realize that people came into the faith, made a profession of faith, uh, mm-hmm. made their confession before yeah. Almighty God, received forgiveness, and they were then baptized into the faith. What came next? That was not the end of the story. Right. What comes next? Being taught, instructed. You know, St. Paul talks about teach, 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 you know, and preach. You know, there's a lot more about teaching than preaching in in the Scripture. I mean, we are to learn. We are to digest inwardly the Word of God. We are. And what, what we have done in the schools today, now, when I was a child, now, I went to a a Christian school for the first eight years of my life. So I had a different environment. So I was, I hated it at the time, but I'm thankful for it today. Memorizing Bible verses every day of the week for eight years. Eight years. That's good stuff, though. And but you be, and it's funny, when you get older, it, it comes out of nowhere. You start remembering stuff. And right. you can find it. So we, we did that. And even in the public schools a hundred years ago, there was a Bible study. There was prayer in school. And, you know, so we had this moral foundation. Well, those that want to, every despot, I don't care if it's Stalin, Lenin, uh, Mao Zedong, or any of them, Castro, you've got to diminish the power and authority of the church and God's word. That is that is job number one. Why? Because mm-hmm. that's the truth that sets people free, and you want them in your bondage because it's... Name me one dictator, one, just one, that did that would tell you I did everything to make the lives of the people better. <laughs> right. Well, look, you, it, we're living. Here's the real reality. Okay, we're living in a time of you know Christ versus Antichrist, mm-hmm. the church versus the anti-church. It is the movement, and I got to tell you something. I don't know if it'll offend others, but the biggest parody of the church, what I call the anti church, mm-hmm. is Freemasonry. And it is a liturgy, it is a religion, even though it claims not to be. I could easily point that out to you. And it has its rituals, its hierarchies, all of the above. And they seek light. 
light and truth, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is a church. It's the anti-church, and it and it goes into its secretiveness yeah. is what where we get this phrase secret society, right? Mm-hmm. You hear all that. It honeycombed itself through Europe over the past two and two hundred and fifty years. Yep. And it has honeycombed itself through the institutions in America as Since well the beginning. Now. Since the very beginning. Yeah, Washington knew it. And he actually knew of a group called the Illuminati, which was a very real group under Adam Weishaupt from Bavaria. But he knew about it and and there was a a, a congregationalist pastor. And I'm trying Seth Payson, and he wrote to Washington. He was in New Hampshire, by the way, mm-hmm. and he wrote to Washington saying that this Illuminati members of it have infiltrated certain Freemasonic lodges. Right. And Washington wrote back acknowledging it. Yes, and I know about them in in Europe, and I know what havoc they've wrought. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I I'm looking into it here. So that's a first acknowledgement. That we have and of our first president, yep. that it was already making its way in, as you said, from the very beginning. In it's, this, country. it's part of the foundation of this nation, and we don't even we don't even realize it at times. You know, well, we don't, and and it's secretiveness, and even and Freemasonry. Look, there were Masons who were not secret society per se, like we hear today. Mm-hmm. But um, Adam Weishaupt, who was the founder of the Illuminati in Bavaria in 1776, mm-hmm. of all dates, he ended up, um, pa- you know, parodying the the church. He took the, the Jesuit view of the church and hierarchy and incorporated that into the Illuminati, but he used the Illuminati and he co-opted Freemasonic halls. Mm-hmm. And so Freemasonry became something that was co-opted by them and used because it was already a secretive organization, right? right? You had your secrets you had to keep and all that. And and that was a perfect breeding mm-hmm. place for this. So, I mean, that's a whole nother show, but we can show how that's come into our society and into this country where they help one another. They became courtroom judges, yep. lawyers, mm-hmm. mayors, town councils, businessmen, union. congressmen, senators. Yep. Yep, presidents taking care of each other, uh, military. Uh, actually, there's one gentleman I know who said he was actually Navy intelligence, and he told me the only way you became an officer, a high-ranking yeah, high officer ranking. in the Navy, is is unless you are a Freemason. Hmm. And and those are the ones they appoint there. It's very interesting, you know. So we'd have to take a nice look into Freemasonry, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, how it started and why and when was it co-opted and, and how has it been used by Satan mm-hmm. for nefarious purposes now uh, and throughout, throughout the world. And it very much – and what was its ideology? It's very much so secular humanism. And that's what we see today. You know, and I always, I always use this phrase: um, there's, there's the fight between naturalism and supernaturalism, right? So mm-hmm. Freemasonry, the school systems, all of the things we, we were talking about, is what I call organized naturalism, mm-hmm. because they are organized. They do have connections one with another. They do have a common theme, goal, ideology 
doctrines, all of the above. It's organized naturalism mm-hmm. against supernaturalism, against God, and specifically Christianity. You know, I can remember when I first moved south. I never paid attention to any of that growing up because just the town that I lived in, and it wasn't a big deal. But when I got to South Carolina, I noticed something. You know, good old radio stations back in the day in South Carolina used to have the, you know, the afternoon and evening obituary column of the air. That was a big deal on a lot of radio stations. We did it every little station in the South I ever worked at in the 70s, with the exception of one in the smaller towns, we always did the obituaries. And I can remember not understanding this, but it would talk about, you know, uh, John, whatever his name is, passed away on Monday. Funeral services will be a family will visit at the at the home and all this. And there was a lot of them would have, you know, uh, prior to this, you know, following the service and before the burial, he'll be having Masonic rites. Yeah. Uh, and, well, that that's an issue. Mm hmm. That's and, a big issue, and the and these are all people that go to First Baptist Church, you know, or you yeah. know, they every one of them was like a Baptist or a Methodist, and they were getting Masonic rites when they died. Well, that's the problem, is because Masonry very much so convinced Christians that it's a Christian organization, and it's deceived many. I mean, I hate to say it, but groups such as you know the Southern Baptists have a huge contingent of Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many of the denominations do. There were specific things written by, say, the Roman Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodox, mm-hmm. even Anglicanism. But Anglicans also, Church of England, are, have a huge contingent of Freemasons now. But they were there were doctrines written against Freemasonry for a reason. Uh, I would suggest a book that people can read. It's an older book by a Monsignor George Dillon. It's called Grand Orient Freemasonry Unmasked. Grand Orient Freemasonry Mm -hmm. Unmasked. And what it does is it shows you that Freemasonry is really the power behind communism. And if you think we're having a Marxist revolution here in this country now, Mm -hmm. guess, guess what contingent is behind it? Well, that's a problem. And a lot of people that are in it don't understand it. You know, no. I, I mean, they, they look, I remember the first three, the first three levels, the blue lodge, right? Mm-hmm. Those are for the average guy who doesn't really. It's a charitable organization. They do good things. Absolutely. Christian guys there. They don't understand the higher levels. They don't. I knew a guy and you, you're right about one thing. There is this. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the levels right now. You look at the York right, the Scottish right, and all these other rights, and mm-hmm. you're right there. At, at the blue level, you know, you always see the the tools of a builder, you know, basically the uh, to make a circle, and you, you got your, um, your protractor and all that stuff, yep. all yep. the tools. And whenever you see the Masonic rights, they always wear this, uh, like, bib thing around their waist, you know, and they... The apron, yeah. The apron, and but I'm I'm looking at I remember when I first moved to a church in Florida. This church had been, for lack of a better word, a failure. I mean, I'll just come out and say it, and I'll, I'll, I'm not going to identify it on the air. Had a nice little guy that was its pastor, and he always had this. Oh, we're going to be a small little church, you know. We just do our little thing, you know, the whole nine yards. And you know, he wanted me to join the Masonic Lodge. And he said, you know, and I said, I just don't 
think it's what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. He was a member, and I mean, like he's like a 20-some-odd degree. I mean, he's on his way to 33. I mean, he'd just been so busy in his life, he never got as far as he wanted to. But he kept saying to me, you need to join this because it'll help you in the community. And I remember somebody else that I knew quite well uh, that owned a radio station in South Carolina. Um, he was a 33-degree Mason. I mean, he, he, wanted the, he wanted the big boys. Yep. And he was the sales manager of one of the biggest radio stations in the Southeast. You know, So this guy had money poured everywhere. And it's because of his connections in the Masonic Lodge that he could get things done at the FCC in D.C. Absolutely. I mean, let's let's be honest. Within that group, he needed something at the state level or the federal level. He, as a 33, you know, grand poobah, whatever you want to call it, of whatever, right. they, you know, he, he was the head of his big shrine, you know. And so, you know, he starts, this is like a general calling another general who just may happen to be somebody in the higher-ups of the FCC, and he gets whatever he wants. Well, look he's at one it, of that's them. the communications that they, they control, right? If you go look at Gmail, what is the symbol for Gmail? Take mm-hmm. a look at that symbol and then take a look at the Masonic apron. Yeah, the G. It's the, the same. The M. The M, the M. In, the mis- in Gmail, the symbol of the M is the Masonic apron. Isn't mm-hmm. that interesting? I'll have to look that up. And look I'm sure a lot of other people will this before we get off the air today. Look at, yeah, look it right up. It is the Masonic apron. Communication network is definitely what they want to control, and they do for the most part. You know, I'm looking right now at, you know, some of these various rights, and I'm looking at the, the, the letter G that's at the bottom of the, you know, the picture. And that G looks just like the G in Gmail. Isn't that yeah. Amazing? yeah, I just it's and amazing. Google and and all of that. But you've got when you look at that M for Gmail, you, you're looking at the Masonic apron and there's much mm-hmm. more. You know, CBS had was the eye. Right. So right. you the peacock. The, how many eyes were in the peacock for NBC and on TV? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's over and over. The symbolism is there because that's part partly how they communicate. Mm hmm that they own this network or they are the power behind it they communicate through that i wouldn't be surprised if uh-huh. clear channel had its own uh symbolism that had something to do with masonry ultimately uh but there are these symbols and that's why symbolism is huge in the occult world notice yeah. that the rites in masonry are called rites uh-huh. that's religious We need to take a quick break here as we're coming up to the bottom of the hour here on Truth to Ponder. This is the Thursday edition, and we'll be back in just a few minutes to share some more thoughts and and try to understand where the world is going. I, I didn't, somehow I didn't plan on going down this path, but we did. And sometimes it's a good thing. We, we, we try to fix this world. Let's be honest. How many of us think we can fix this world? We can't. We are not this idea, and I, I know there's some people in their theology that believe that somehow everything's going to get better and people are going to be more peaceful and Jesus will come back to a repaired earth that we will have fixed. I'm sorry, that's not scriptural. It, it absolutely is not. This world is on a collision course with a destiny of destruction. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. The scriptures are plain. We are given a season. 
Now, whether we slow things down or they speed up in the next year or two or three, I don't know. But don't trust anybody in politics to be your savior. Doesn't matter what the party is. They, I've learned over the years that even those that claim to be conservative, many of them will stab you in the back and they'll, they'll, they'll look at you like a fool. They talk your language to get your vote. But once they get to D.C., it's all about their power. You know, like we were talking before about Freemasonry, how many how many Republicans and Democrats go to the same Masonic Lodge? <laughs> Yet they they look like enemies on the TV screen. I, I would have to wonder about that. We'll find out in just a moment. This is Truth to Ponder. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. What a week this has been. And before we get out of the program today, I'm going to share some some thoughts about all that I've observed in the past 48 hours and let you know what I'm what I'm thinking in the back of my mind and where things go. My guest today. Dr. Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales. And we went to the break just a few minutes ago. We were talking about about what we call the secret, you know, handshake society that kind of runs within our own government. And and during the break, I really was thinking, and I've thought about this is nothing new. This is not some super revelation that hit me, but I've always felt this goes back to my younger years when I was doing news work and and covering things. That, you know, you, you, you listen to politicians and they, they can talk trash about each other like you wouldn't believe. I mean, man, that guy, you know, he he cheats on his wife or this or that or the other. And I mean, they will say the most awfulest things about each other. But something hit me one day. They eat at the same restaurants. They belong often to the same clubs. And... In many cases, they belong to the same Masonic Lodge. And and I bet that they're not angry with each other inside those places. I mean, this this is something I want you to think about this. Many of the many of you that are looking to try to fix the United States are looking for a politician or a person to do it. We're gonna get the right party in there, we're gonna get rid of all the corrupt people in, in the House of Representatives, we're gonna get rid of those, you know two-faced senators like you know right now mitch mcconnell is the boogeyman of the day or go down the list next week it'll be lindsey graham and the week after that is going to be rubio it, it doesn't matter they they all rotate their time in the negative spotlight unless they're at the at the higher end of the spectrum but something has always stuck out it's two sides of the same coin we've all heard that expression I begin to think as I look at what happens in this in this country, in rigged elections and everything else, and if anybody thinks that our election was not rigged back on the 3rd, they're blind. You can see it, but we're, we're, it's just like that wonderful movie, The Wizard of Oz. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Believe what I'm telling you. Believe that specter in front of you, you know, blowing fire and smoke. That's the truth. But it's really the man behind the curtain the entire time and that's what we have in in many levels of government you don't see it so much in small towns because they have to live there 
But as the government and the counties get bigger, they become more detached from the regular people. And when you get to D.C., you know, like I say, my guest, the Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales, and and I I use that expression, uh, two sides of the same coin. Does that resonate with you at all? Absolutely. Because, you know, when you were referring to it as uh, people going to same clubs and we were talking about Freemasonry and very often, like, let's take the Civil War, let alone the Revolutionary mm-hmm. War. But the Civil War, you had Freemasons who did go to the same Masonic Lodge who were now against each other mm-hmm. in the Civil War. You had Confederates who were Freemasons, and you had the Northern uh, Army who were Freemasons. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening, the Union, what ended up happening is they take a vow as brothers in the Masonic Lodge, which is above all other vows they take, even church. Mm-hmm. They are to defend one another and to rescue one another. Okay, so you have them in war where there are times that there's a statement where if you're caught and you are going to be killed or executed as a prisoner, you can say, is there any mercy for a poor widow's son, Mm -hmm. which is an indication to Freemasons that you're a Freemason Uh, and they nobody else knows what it means, but they do. And somebody's going to you're not going to be executed, put it that way. Mm -hmm. Same thing in courtroom. You know, if you have a judge who's a Mason and you have somebody on trial who's a Mason, there's hand signals and there's ways to to carry yourself that others will notice you're a Freemason. If that's the case and say you're on the trial for murder, the judge, no matter what, as a brother Freemason, Mm -hmm. he's got to find a way to get you off the hook. Mm Mm-hmm. And he will. Same thing in politics. So you've got Republicans or Freemasons and you've got Democrats or Freemasons. They might be opposed to each other politically, but in the end, they've got to back each other because they're brother Masons. Mm -hmm. So you get the picture now, two sides of the same coin. They're working for the same team. And if that team is not Republican or Democrat, the team really is the society they're involved in. And that society has tentacles in everything Mm -hmm. from politics to the military to the church we have a thing in church called ecclesiastical freemasonry you don't know who's a freemason in your church until you actually ask or find out right and then it's hard yeah many won't admit it but uh, except when they die you know the wife will say well he was a member of the so-and-so masonic lodge in uh belton south carolina and and you know they they get their Masonic rights and everything else. But, you know, you mm-hmm. start looking, you know, there's a whole, there's actually a, a whole site dedicated uh, to the quotes of famous Freemasons. And, you know, you're looking at people that are authors. You're looking at people like Ulysses S. Grant. How about that? You know, he was a, a Freemason. Sure. Would, would you believe that? Um, believe you're looking at some of the Grand Lodges of 100 years ago. And, and you know, I'm looking... I'm looking at all these, you know, quotes of, you know, Freemasons and uh, uh, people that you would never believe were, you know, Duke Ellington. He was a Freemason. Did you know that? No. Uh, I, I mean, mean, yeah. And so there, there's a whole site dedicated to uh, quotes of these famous people. And, and, you're, and, and they've been out there. Uh, I'm looking at, at other, you know, famous presidents and, and leaders of, of this nation, how many there were. Um 
you know, people like uh, looking here at another one, John, Mac- uh, you know, Douglas MacArthur. <laughs> he was yeah. he was one. Go down. It's a long list. You're right. When you you start getting up to the general class in the armed forces or the air force, you know, there they, it is within their society. Yeah. And you know, so I, I'm fascinated by by this. I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on it right now. There's so much going on in this world today. But what I'm what I think what I want to leave it at as we move forward a little bit is this idea this idea that uh there are absolutes is you know like we have the conservatives over here and the democrats over here we have the 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 lunatic fringe we have this there are a lot more of them that are really bonded together by things more important than politics it's it's their allegiances to other things that tie them together and, and we're just being played in the middle like fools. You know, we, we're, we're watching theater. This is theater. And, and if I, you don't know, it is theater. And if you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, you're, you're ignorant of it, right? So you're uh-huh. playing. It's, it's kind of like you have the left and the right. These are two paradigms that they keep you caught in. Uh-huh. You're, you're, you're the on the right. Somebody else is on the left. What I always say is you need a right leg and a left leg to walk. Right. But both of them end up walking in the same direction, ultimately, don't they? So who's controlling them? You have a paradigm, a right-left paradigm, that is like a net that all of mm-hmm. us are caught in purposely. I know. Because they control both. We, we I, I'm looking at, I'm doing some research. So I, I seem like I'm distant for a split second. I'm just trying to realize, you know, that the powers that rule not just this nation, but in many ways, the powers that deeply interact in our world, they're tied together. You know, we, we, we always talk about, you know, nation sovereignty. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing. If you want to keep people under control, you, nationalism is a great way to do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying being a nationalism is a bad thing in and of itself. No, it isn't. You know, we, we should be, you know, caring for our nation. You, know, you follow? But... When you have what I call blind nationalism, you you understand what I mean by blind nationalism? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Yep. Where you know, and, and a lot of good-meaning people here in Georgia, across the line in South Carolina, North Carolina, parts of Florida, Midwest, you know, it's the God and country attitude. And I, don't get me wrong, I, I understand and hear me out. There is nothing wrong with being aligned to your God and and also being true to your country, as long as your country is not in opposition to God's word. Make that clear. And I think we lose sight of that, you know, the God and country. You know, Barack Obama used that term, and it was a very divisive term, but it worked, you know, in terms of, you know, getting the base together. They cling to their, their Bibles and their guns. You know, and and their and their pickup trucks and and their American flags and and their fried chicken. You know, it, it was it was done to say, you know, yeah, those rubes over there, they're they're all about their country and their Bibles. You know, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. and yet and and so many Christians, they they feel that they hear that, and it angers them. Man, I got I got to get out there and I got to vote this clown out of office. I got to do this, that, and the other. And what do you put in? What do we? I'm not saying that about Trump. I'm don't get me wrong, but think about others. You know that we've had in there. I mean, I'll come out and say it. I am not a fan of either of the George Bushes that served in the White House. 
you know, I didn't I didn't care for 41 or 43 at all. I mean, after the fact, they you know, their true colors showed over time. They were just as much of the swamp as as uh, Chuck Schumer is and Nancy Pelosi is. I mean, they're all in that same swamp, happy together. And by dividing us, they conquer us. Absolutely. Look at them. They go out. They hang out together. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen George Bush hanging out with Obama and so forth? They and Michelle Obama, they hang out together. They, they go mm-hmm. play. They're laughing and joking. Something is up. Something is up. And we see this. And, you know, they're they're connected in another level. And the question is what? What other level are they connected in? Mm-hmm. Is it is it a, an alma mater? Is it a school? Is it is it Freemasonry? Is it some other skull group? and bones? Skull and bones is another group connected. Yes, and they're all there. I mean, it was. I think it was Saint Maximilian Kolbe, if you've ever heard his name. He was a Roman Catholic, but he said this, and it's an interesting quote. He said, "The Freemasons follow this principle above all." Catholicism can be overcome not by logical argument, but by corrupted morals. And so they overwhelm the souls of men with the kind of literature and arts that will most easily destroy a sense of chaste morals. And they foster sordid lifestyles in all phases of human life. Mm-hmm. Think of that. LGBTQ, the morals on the TV and, and, and prime time now in the schools, everywhere that's how they do it they don't only divide and conquer us politically they bring decadence to our moral standards Mm -hmm. into the arts and media which end up destroying us makes us weak and easy to overcome and overthrow that's a huge plan of one group okay that are that have been dedicated to this for for a couple hundred years now around the world not just this country around the world and they're succeeding you know you you look you know when you talk about skull and bones and you look at those that were in it and it doesn't matter whether they're republican or democrat they were in it and you know you look at some of the universities especially the ones in the northeast and and you and you look at schools like yale university and Mm -hmm. that's where skull and bones originated Yep. And, and look at the number of people that come out of certain universities that that Harvard, Yale, even Princeton. Th- those schools started out in one side. They were divinity schools. I mean, that's where they people forget that. They were teaching people how to be either congregational or Episcopal pastors at one point. That yep. was their history. We mm-hmm. forget that. You know, there is there is this there is the Yale School of Divinity. Princeton has one. Of course, now, yep. you know, anything of the true Christian faith is mocked and ignored and trashed, but they started out as seminaries. Then you have these secret societies, and these are the people that come out of these prestigious universities, and where do they end up? They end up in banking. They end up in insurance. They end up in government. They end up as military contractors. I mean, this yep. is where this is where these this leadership, and a lot of people believe that they probably run the CIA and everything else, and I wouldn't be surprised. They do, they do, absolutely, they're in there. Now, um, and yes, Skull and Bones. Somebody from Skull and Bones is always the head of the CIA. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's quite interesting, and and obviously, I think this is a show we got to do sometime in the future because there's so many avenues mm-hmm. to go down. But just you know, for you know, look at it and just say this. 
there's more than meets the eye. There are those who are involved in groups within groups yes. who actually have the power uh, in the world. It, it, look at the banking. There was Paul Warburg in the in the late 18, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. They had the fiat money system. Paul Warburg had five sons. What did he do? He took a son and made him the head of the bank, one of them in Germany, one of them mm-hmm. in England, one of them in France, one of them in Spain. He took his son and put them in the head bank of these nations so that who eventually controlled the nations? Mm-hmm. They did. And so Germany would fight France, but it was two brothers financing the same thing. Oh, yeah. So they were using it to, to create oodles and oodles of money off of the people while the people were dying mm-hmm. in a war that they allowed to happen. You know, yep, they funded it. And the same thing was happening here in the South and the North. mm -hmm. You had John Brown, the Secret Six up north. If you look that up, you'll find out a whole lot about that. Yep. The Northern aggression, supposedly. And what ended up happening is you had these rich bankers. And you've had people all the way back to Hamilton. Mm -hmm who was supposedly a Rothschild agent trying to make sure there was a national bank in this country well, you right got, from the get-go. I, I know. I mean, and once again, the banking interest, you know, the banking interest uh, come out of Yale and Harvard and all those schools, and, and all of them have their societies. When you look at Yale, you got, well, you got every one of the Bushes, Prescott, all the way through W. Bush went there. So did John Kerry. So did, you know, William Buckley, remember him? You know, you know yep. he was conservative one. guy. <laughs> yeah. Then you find out how many of the of, of the non-conservatives went there. They 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 all went there. Yes, it's, and, and it's they an were amazing all brothers thing. in that type of society, right? And don't forget this: behind the banking industry and those societies, this brings us full circle. Is the occult? There's occultism mm-hmm. tied to all of it. My guest today was the. Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales, we we bring Dr. Gales on from time to time. He is someone that has become a good friend. Uh, for those that are listening on KVOH, new listeners, let me just give you a little quick background on Dr. Gales, just so you know. And even for those that listen to the program and have been for a while and may have missed it, Dr. Gales, many, many years ago, back in the early 90s, made a good living working on Wall Street. And one day, after he had come to know the Lord, he felt very much called to study and and head toward ministry, which he did. He married and had children, but he did all that, earned his degrees. And then he got to that point, okay, Lord, now what do I do with this ministry? I've got my degree, and I'm now I'm ordained within a church body. And then another little problem came along. He had a growing family that needed you know to be taken care of. And a friend of his from a number of years back had got a hold of him and said, hey, would you like to come back and work on Wall Street for a while? And he thought about it and prayed about it and decided, yeah, he would. And I needed the income and just kind of see what doors would open. And for not that long, he commuted from his home in New Jersey to Manhattan. And he was a trader on Wall Street again, made a good living, took care of his family needs. One day, something strange happened. Everybody started looking around. That's that's back in 2001. 
when the airplanes hit the buildings. 9-11. He watched people jump to their death and hit the sidewalk. He said, it's kind of like PSD, it changed me. And I started searching deeper into the scriptures, and God led him into a ministry. And and he's he's got a very unique ministry in helping the church prepare for some very difficult times ahead. I think the events of these recent days, once again, I'm having to record this program in advance, so there may be things that I'm missing here, but I'm not missing this. We've been talking for quite a long time on this radio program that we're coming into a perilous time. Christians are going to be shut out, shut down, and put out. The Facebooks will no longer tolerate us much longer. I keep telling you, if you have a church and a ministry and you're dependent upon Facebook, get off. Get out. Don't use it. Don't encourage it. I use it for a purpose to observe. But I recognize that there are a lot of things that I will put up there that no one ever reads. Why? The algorithms search the sentences and they decide what is appropriate and not. If it's really too bad in their opinion, even if it's true, well, guess what? They may put you in Facebook jail. So I, I'm there, and I'm, I'm learning. Just forget. I'm not arguing anymore on Facebook. I'm getting over it. I have no time. I have no time for people who claim to be in God's word, in his church, trying to fight, saying, well, abortion is okay. We, we, we can have gay marriage. It's okay if they love each other. God is cool. I have no time anymore. I have no time for this foolishness. We have a world coming to a a time of destiny, and it's coming upon us quickly. And I believe God's hand of protection is slowly moving away, and soon it'll be God's hand of judgment. And don't think it doesn't happen. Look at the world. Look at history. It has happened. It will continue to happen. Christians are going to be herded into groups. You're going to be disdained. And the day is going to come if your church will not do gay weddings. Believe me on this one. It's already happening in other parts of the Western world that if you said that 20 years ago, they'd say you're crazy. Well, it already is happening. And it will. If things continue on the path they're going, it will come here. The true church is going to have to be an underground church. The woke church, those that do the gay marriages, those that have abandoned scripture, reason, and tradition, those that have made a mockery of God's word, those churches will be left standing because they believe in the one world religion anyway. You know, all dogs go to heaven kind of thing if you're good and and, and you're socially correct. Then you go to a better place when you die. Listen, our time is gone. We'll be back tomorrow with a very special program for Friday and the weekend. Another wonderful guest. If you believe in the work that we're doing, would you consider going to the website? Let me know you're listening. Email works great. Our website is truth2ponder.com. You can even help support financially. Your small gifts, I don't pay myself. Your small gifts go strictly to pay airtime. And you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. You can mail it to our address here in Georgia. If you so desire, instead of using the web, 
And that is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's our little box here. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We are in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. That zip code again is 30537. We will see you tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.